0: Welcome to an episode of Make and Multiply. We call these Monday episodes Hear and Obey. We are reading, talking through a passage of Scripture that was preached uh, the Sunday before. And so today we are in Exodus 3, verses 1 through 9. I'm Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined here with Matt Groon and Mark Christensen is with us today. Mark, great to have you. Mm-hmm. Glad you could join us as we talk through this passage of Scripture. Excited to hear um, how God is speaking to you guys. In this text. So let me read. I'm going to back up and start in chapter 2, uh, verse 23. Greg mentioned this passage in his sermon. There's definitely overlap in the language here at the very end of chapter 2 with what we see in the beginning of chapter 3. It's one of those those passages, sometimes it's clear in narrative literature that there's like a, a pivot point, a, a verse or two or three where things are transitioning kind of like you know if you're watching a movie or a TV show that there's a crossfade and it's you know shifting from one mm. one scene to another and and that I think is what's going on at the end of chapter 2 into chapter 3 so this is God's word let me read here beginning Exodus 2 verse 23 During those many days the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them.
1: Hmm.
0: This is God's word. Father, we do pray that you would speak to us, that your word would dwell richly in us. We want to be um, edified. We want to be changed as we encounter you through us. Your word has come to us, and we know that you are speaking, and we believe every word you say. So reveal more of yourself to us as we talk through this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we always do, just starting with observations, what do you notice in the text what stands out to you?
2: Yeah, it definitely helps, Ryan, how you read that. Yeah. Um, Reiterate that the, the chapter breaks and the headings are not authoritative. Mm-hmm. Um, they were added much later. Um, so when Moses would have been writing this, there would have been no. All right, now chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that <clears throat> chapter two, verse twenty-three through twenty-five, really does. If you take away the headings and the, the chapters, you really do feel it as it's as a as a turn to a new scene, and mm-hmm. it just kind of flows out of that. Mm-hmm. So with that opening, you have that anticipation of like you said, I think you preached a couple last week, two weeks ago. Um, God, you can feel the anticipation that God's about to do something. Yeah. And so all of a sudden we have the entrance <clears throat> again in narrative. We look for keywords like then or now. And so chapter three, verse one, it starts now Moses was mm-hmm. keeping the flock. So mm-hmm. it's, we we fast forward out of those, those years where he was, um, where he, he saved Jethro's, uh, Da- or daughters at the the well. Mm-hmm. In fact, we know it's about a forty year jump. Right. So he's he was forty when he left Israel or left Egypt. Um, spent forty years as an Egyptian, and flees to Midian. Has this encounter with the the daughters, mm-hmm. saves them, and now we jump forty years. He's, so this is forty years he's been keeping the flock of mm-hmm. his father in law Jethro. Yeah. So. A lot of life happens in 40 years, mm. and especially now he's an 80-year-old man. and he is, wand- he is wandering, leading the flock uh, in this Midian desert, in the wilderness, and he just so happens to come <laughs> to the mountain of God. So again, when we kind of open up our lens and see, and remember Moses is the author of this text, he wants us to know, God is moving pieces mm. providentially and he himself is a piece being moved yeah. to be put now in front of this spectacle. So, we anticipate something happening and then it happens and he just sees this flame mm. and it just it's just this image of it's just like the movie of drawing you in and drawing you in mm. and he he can't help but be brought in.
1: Yeah. And I think the interesting thing before you even get to chapter 3 here in verses 23 and 24 or 23 through 25 you get bookend by the story of Moses mm. um, being with Zipporah and naming his son. And then in verse 1 of chapter 3, Moses keeping the flock. But in that middle, you have Moses. He's writing this. He's zooming out to remind us what's happening right now. Mm. Um, it's not just about Moses. It's about what God's doing uh, with his people. Yeah. And so we see that God saw the people of Israel. He heard their cries and he knew. And then we jump back in, zoom in to Moses and what he's doing.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting glimpse uh, outside of any of the familiar characters, the setting in Egypt or Midian, verse, verses 24 and 25, are telling us something about what's going on in heaven. Mm-hmm. God is <coughs> hearing. God is that's seeing. Um, so, so that that's another thing we're looking for in narrative when um, the characters change. Mm-hmm. So that, okay, we're following Moses. He does this, and then he does that. Boom, like you said, zooming out all of a sudden. Here's what God is thinking and seeing and doing Mm -hmm. as this is all unfolding. Mm -hmm. That timeline, if anybody's curious, uh, we get that from Exodus 7, verse 7. That's where it says um, Moses was 80 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So Mm -hmm. there's some time, that preparation here before he goes back to Pharaoh, but we know when he finally does go back, he's 80 years old. And then Acts 7 in the New Testament is where Stephen kind of breaks up those 80 years of Moses' life, 40 years growing up in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness Tending Jethro's flock, which is amazing when you just think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Moses doesn't make a big deal about that timeline here in the text, um, but it's kind of crazy when you think about. He's just in Midian mm-hmm. tending sheep for forty years. <laughs> Tough
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it really does when it, when you set it into the the broader uh, the the broader story of Scripture. Is that why why there? Because because when he was in when he was in Egypt, as a prince of Egypt, he, he was getting the best education. He was, as we discussed last week, he was, he was learning how to lead an army. He, he was learning all the things that you would think would equate to being a supreme leader, yeah. like the guy, the lead thing. God providentially rips him out of that and places him in the desert yeah. to be a shepherd. And so when you think of all... Uh, CJ taught us this. And he, he, in pastoral ministry, in our pastoral ministry class, he kept saying over and over: the chief metaphor God, divinely inspired in mm-hmm. His Word, to uh, communicate leadership and, well, for us pastors, is mm-hmm. that of a shepherd. This mm-hmm. sense of just leading a flock. All of the nuance of that metaphor is played out in leadership, and it's just so interesting how God rips him out of what we would probably think a good education, right. good degrees, you know, the best schools, the best teachers. And a clear path of ascendancy exactly. and power and yep. influence. Well,
1: and to be a deliverer, yeah, as right. we've seen so far. Yeah. But now we see him shepherding. Yeah. Right, like Matt was In the saying. middle of nowhere,
0: shepherding. And yet it's not wasted time. No, he, He's learning how to shepherd a flock in the wilderness, which, you know, we've read ahead. We know the rest of the story. That's what he's going to be doing for the
2: next 40 years okay. of his life, shepherding and, people in and, and Greg pointed out that point in, in the sermon. I remember this, him discussing the like what happens in anonymity. Because mm-hmm. um, when he was in Egypt, he, he, I, don't, I don't know how well-known he was, but he was, he was by like his somebody. birth. It was somebody. Mm-hmm. And he was to be known as somebody. And then God, again, providentially pulls him out of that and puts, puts him in a place where he spends just as much time in a season of just being completely unknown. Yeah. All he does is lead this flock through wilderness, Mm -hmm. which is, we will see, is preparing him for something greater and for for something way more applicable Mm -hmm. for what he's going to do.
1: I'm interested to hear from you guys. When I've normally hear this, heard this passage preached, it's usually focused on the big spectacle that this burning bush is. Mm -hmm. But Greg really didn't focus there yesterday. Mm. He really focused on what is God doing? Who is he? He's sovereign, he's holy, he's merciful. Mm. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on just why did we not focus on that yesterday mm-hmm. when so often we hear this passage, it's focused on this burning bush. Mm. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I think that like Greg pointed this out, there's a threefold repetition and and anytime you notice keywords and phrases being repeated, um That should get our attention. Clearly, the author's trying to communicate something. And so that's why I backed up and read the end of chapter 2, because chapter 2 ends, God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. God knew Um, at the burning bush... Yes, the bush is burning. That's a sight that catches Moses' attention Mm -hmm. enough to say, I'm going to turn aside and see what this strange sight is, what's going on here. And then it says, When God saw that um, he turned aside, verse 4, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him. So it's not so much about the spectacle as it is about Mm -hmm. the God who is there Mm -hmm. speaking. So what is it that God says? When Moses turns aside, God has his attention. What does God say? Well, God says... I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That, that's exactly what we heard at the end of chapter 2. <laughs> then he goes on to say, I've surely seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry. I know their sufferings. I've come to deliver. So same same thing. I've seen, I've heard, I know. Um, verse 9, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression. So God repeats that again. So it's the same thing. Chapter 2 ends saying God knows, and here in chapter 3, God is saying I see I know I'm going to do something. So that seems to be the focal point. Mm. Who is God and, and what is he doing when his people are
2: suffering? Yeah, and this is this is <clears throat> the pinnacle of in a lot of ways God's revelation to his people mm. in a way that he, he's doing something new here that is is different. But in in the sense of as we read um, God remember, God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and the first thing He says to them is, "Hey, I am that God mm-hmm. of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." So He is, He is. First of all, the point is of, of the of the bush is not necessarily to show God's power to be able to. <clears throat> burn without destroying a bush <laughs> but which is just a spectacle to draw like you said sure. to draw Moses in to catch his attention and to show himself and to the 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 main thrust of what Moses is trying to communicate here is that God is a God who seeks to reveal mm. himself to his people first and then he acts for them mm. so these next this next chapter chapter and a half God is going to have this conversation with Moses that is going to be this Immediate, immediate meaning directly speaking mm-hmm. to him revelation that is going to set the course of the next the next many chapters mm-hmm. of what God is doing to save and deliver his people yeah. he, he wants he wants Moses to know who he is he wants to know that he knows and cares for his people and he's about to act in judgment on the nation that is doing exactly that so it's, it's just this introduction of a character in a new way in this mm-hmm. story so we've heard about God throughout Exodus. Moses is, mm-hmm. um, obviously in Genesis, we know all about him. but mm-hmm. here in this book, Moses has God as a character who's set up in the heavens in mm-hmm. a sense, like just like Zeus watching yeah. over what's happening. Yeah. But now, as we saw, he's about mm-hmm. to step in and he's about to break in in a way,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he does. And he does that here in, especially when he speaks to Moses. And he just says, "I am God." That's who I. Am. And he's going to name himself in new ways as we go forward. But yeah. that's the big thing, and it's it so rattles Moses. First of all, he's he's intrigued, right? So he gets yeah. brought in, and he's like, "Oh, what's going on over here?" And all of a sudden, it starts talking to him, and it speaks not just words of, "Hey, here's who I am," but warning, mm. naming himself as the God of his fathers, which is you know not of the Egyptian fathers. I'm not like those fathers mm. that you. I'm the one that you identified back to Hebrew the Hebrew fathers exactly yeah. the yeah. who your the one who is yeah I am that God and do not come near me mm. <laughs> those are all very it's enough where verse what is that verse six he hides him, his face mm. he's filled with fear yeah uh, which would be the appropriate yeah. reaction
1: yeah I think you see God he's coming here he's revealing himself and he says I'm going to be a deliverer I'm coming down to deliver my people. But Moses was also delivered, mm. and he's going to be a deliverer. Mm. Um, mm. But like Greg said <clears throat> yesterday, first two chapters we have Moses kind of as this central character. But then here from chapter three all the way to chapter forty, we're going to see God is the main character. When Greg first asked that question yesterday, I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, duh, it's Moses. Mm. But no, it's God. Mm. God's the one who works through Moses, works for His people. Yeah. Um, Moses is the one who's afraid to go before Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And God says, no, go and do this and I'll be with you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think, I think, Mo, I think Moses, to that point, Mark, I think Moses, because he's the author of this, of this book... He knows that mm. above all else. Right. I think that's why he presents himself in these ways, and why he chose mm. to edit some things out of his life at the beginning, why he didn't choose to focus on that season, mm. but has now opened up to mm. starting with this event. Mm. For the like, like Greg said, we've it's taken us forty years for chap like four hundred years, and then forty years, and then forty years, and now we're going to drop into one year. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think Moses is editing that because he wants to highlight. He is just. A conduit. He's just a a a piece of the puzzle, but God, who is who, Greg said, is sovereign, holy, merciful, is the is the chief Mm. player here. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, God reveals Himself,
0: and and the you know the burning bush is um, even just that phrase is kind of shorthand for Mm. God's self revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's common for people to kind of long for their own burning bush experience (laughs) Um, you know why doesn't God just speak to me audibly or show me some kind of vision or or sign right Um, this is a rather rare experience yeah (laughs) even in the Bible it's not like this was just happening left and right so so this is I think the way Greg set it up there are certain significant days in history where things shift Mm -hmm. this is a turning point in the history of the world, and the way Greg said it, it, it reverberates yeah. down to us today. Um, we don't need our own burning bush experience, we have this record and revelation of God revealing Himself to Moses and, and through this experience to the world, yeah. which is significant.
2: And, and I think we've said it before on here, but Hebrews 1 is, is worth keeping <laughs> in mind that in where Hebrews 1 1 says, In long ago like now, like in mm. Exodus three in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers in the prophets and like a burning bush. But now in these last days, he has most fully revealed himself perfectly mm. in his son, Jesus Christ. So to your point, we, we want to say, Hey, why doesn't God just do that for mm. me? Yeah. Then, then I would, my faith would be stronger than what well, he has done in a much fuller way than even this. Cause he's done it perfectly in his son. Yeah. And we have record of it, which is incredible.
1: Yeah. Well, in Christ coming to you know, reveal himself to us, to save us from our sins, but he also confirmed every promise that was made. Mm-hmm. And so Greg had taken some time to have us memorize Psalm fifty fifteen with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, call upon me in your day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Mm-hmm. He said that's a promise that Jesus died for. Yeah, and right. so we can trust that. Um, so we can call on God, and he will deliver us, and we will glorify him Um So he's revealed himself, but he's also promised things to us um, that would call on him and be delivered.
0: There's something so powerful that's revealed here about the nature of how God relates to people and and who we are as human beings in relationship to God. People, um, the covenant people of God, in the end of chapter 2, they are groaning and crying for help. And it's that groaning that God hears. Hmm. It's that cry that comes to him. And and then when God affirms that to Moses at the burning bush, it's, I've I've seen their affliction. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. So people are in need of help and just groaning and and crying out. Um, God is the one who's able to help. And it's like,
1: um,
0: Hmm. I was just thinking about, when you have a problem, depending on the kind of problem you call a professional who has skills and abilities to do something about that. Mm-hmm. So you call a plumber or a contractor or a lawyer or mm-hmm. a doctor or and when you do, they work for you. you know that that's that's the crazy thing about it. Mm-hmm. A, a lawyer or a doctor who has years of schooling and experience and expertise, um, they come in and say, "I will work for you. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll use my skills. I uh, provide my services for your benefit. You're the one in need and, and I will go to work for you. And and they you know, what do, what do you do as the one with a problem? You just hand the burden over <laughs> and you let them go to work on your case. Um, and and that's exactly how <clears throat> our relationship to God is presented here in this text. <laughs> you know, what what do the people bring? Just a big, huge problem. Yes. They are oppressed, yeah. they are afflicted, they are suffering, they are groaning. God says, even just the language verse 8, I have come down.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> to your point, Ron, like when you preached this the other week, when you said, notice they didn't really cry out for help to God, mm-hmm. they're just crying, crying out. Yeah. And Moses is. Happy as a clam, out walking in, you know, as, in the mountains with, with some sheep. It, <laughs> it, nobody is like necessarily asking for God to come down to them, mm-hmm. but which highlights the a the sovereignty of God in our lives, and and that nobody is saying God, where where are you that like The Israelites were not saying God come save us. Mm-hmm. They're just miserable. Mm-hmm. M- Moses is indifferent. He's removed himself from thinking, okay, I'm going to go hang out over here. But God now comes down, like mm-hmm. you were saying, and then notice he says, I know they're serving. I have come down to deliver them, to bring them up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring them up out of the land. I'm going to bring them out of that miry clay. I'm going to bring them into something better. Mm-hmm. So it just highlights the activity of God and his sovereign <clears throat> decree mm. knowing the plan knowing where he's going knowing the pieces and all the puzzle pieces and where he's going to bring it yeah. and he and he is the one who acts so yeah. nobody mm. it's just it's so hard to read this and think oh man there's a whole bunch of free will acting <laughs> just how about that the coincidences that just lined up mm. no God himself is, is bringing about the his initiative. purposes yeah. that's right yeah so
0: here's a a thought or a question I could see people wrestling with through their suffering, um, yeah, I think this is meant to be a comfort. God sees, God hears, God knows, Mm -hmm. but if you're in the middle of suffering, um, that might not sound completely comforting, Mm -hmm. right? Because what you want is the suffering to stop. You just want it to end. When you feel pain, the only thing you want is for the pain to stop, Mm -hmm. um, And and so it's not hard to imagine somebody going through hard things thinking, well, that's great that God knows I'm in trouble. (laughs) What's he going to do about it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When is he going to make it stop? Mm -hmm. You know what what I mean? So what comfort is meant for us in the fact that God sees and hears and
1: and knows? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? I think we know, obviously, in the present it's difficult, but in the end there's, Confirmation that things will be turned right. Mm-hmm. Um, we have promises of that. And I think that's why it's so vital to do what we do in our discipleship huddles of gathering together to remind each other of that. Um, I can't imagine trying to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the suffering that I've gone through, um, if I wasn't in a community, it surely would have broke me. And so, mm-hmm. um, but then also, you know, reading through scripture, you see people like Moses who For 80 years um, for much of his life spent in a field shepherding um, anonymous under the radar Mm -hmm. Um, you know when am I going to um, be this deliver that I meant to be and maybe wasn't asking that question but I think reading through Saints and um, reading of some of the Saints in church history as well Mm -hmm. whether that's church fathers or missionaries um, people who experience great suffering but also have a great hope Mm -hmm. and so reading their stories Yes, we don't have the same circumstances, same struggles, but um, it gives me hope to know, look at this person's life. Mm-hmm. They lived it faithfully. Yes, it was difficult, um, but there was always a, a trust and a confidence. Yeah. Um, and even when there was a drifting from that, there was always a promise mm-hmm. or a person or a church that um, helped them get back on track. Yeah. So yeah. that's comforting to me. Well,
2: yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Suffering has such a way of, of, I think, who I forget who said it, I think it was Riken when I was studying it. Suffering inserts the question marks into our lives. Mm. And it has just such a, if you've walked through significant suffering, you, you know it has that like narrowing. It just feels like the lens just gets like zoomed in mm. on that, what's happening mm. right now. Um, it has just a blinding, um, focusing effect where. Man, you, you rocked by that suffering, or whatever it is—some news, some worry, some something—and all other responsibilities or other plates that you're supposed to be juggling just feel insignificant. And they just—it just has this narrowing effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Mark's describing of int- the reason why we seek to introduce ourselves into gospel community is because the gospel, and especially God's in, in God's Word in general has a way of bringing us back out hmm. in, in a sense of opening the lens up. Now that does nothing necessarily to our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who it was that described suffering l- like going to the dentist <laughs> when you're two. Uh, there's no amount of in Like if I brought my two year old, which I have bring <laughs> him to the, the dentist or to as for him, it's haircuts um, <laughs> and he will scream the whole time and The haircut doesn't hurt, but (laughs) if you go to the dentist, it can hurt. It can feel uncomfortable. It feels scary, and so you put yourself in that two-year-old's shoes, and just that has your all. Your whole world is a narrowed effect, and so you feel pain. You have no idea what's going on. You feel in danger. You feel scared. You feel. You feel all these emotions, Um, but. And no, no amount of me as his dad explaining to him what's going on and why this is actually good for you and says, I know it's scary, but I'm here, I'm with you. None of that is actually going to change his experience mm-hmm. other than he, he trusts me. Mm-hmm. Other than this capital that he and I have, a relational capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of like our suffering to God. He is the adult. We're the, the child mm-hmm. experiencing our pain and asking God, why? We're, we're, we're like the Israelites, just groaning and... Um And expressing that experience. Mm-hmm. And what we need is a revelation from a revealing God mm-hmm. who sees above it all, mm-hmm. uh, who, who can bring us out of the storm and show the, the landscape. It doesn't necessarily change it doesn't necessarily change my experience, mm-hmm. how I feel, but it does, like Mark was saying, give me, An anchor. It gives me a. It puts ballast in the boat of our lives to to keep us from capsizing, because it's it's hope in a promise that is secure in Christ. But it's it's those hopes and promises are set out there to pull us out of that and to because and notice God is going to act to do that. Mm -hmm. He's going to step into their suffering and pull them out. So we have a God who doesn't just leave us without a witness and hope. He 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 shows us that he is acting for our good. Yes. And that is a way of over time as those as we develop that gospel fluency to our own souls and with other people that you know in our gospel communities it, over time those those roads to those promises become well traveled hmm. and you start to it's quicker to see and quicker to get to and quicker to and easier to cling to but recognizing it's not me clinging to them it's God holding on to me. Yeah. Um, and we just call it that call each other to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's comfort um, if you think of the alternative. If you're suffering, and God is unaware, mm. God mm. doesn't see, God God doesn't care. It's much scarier. That's that would be terrifying. Yeah. Um, and, and as understandable as it is that when we're suffering, it, it, the thought can go through our mind. Well so what that God sees and knows? I, I just want the suffering to end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what it's meant to assure us is that God is sovereign over our suffering. And so we've re- referenced this several times in the first several sermons in this series, that God told Abraham, way back, you know, several hundred years before this, your descendants are going to be enslaved and oppressed in a foreign land for 400 years Mm -hmm. and then i'm going to deliver them and they're going to plunder that people and i'm going to bring them out so god had set a timeline on this Mm -hmm. and just knowing that when you're in the midst of suffering Mm -hmm. for us from our perspective we're thinking how long is this going to last how long can i hold on i can't endure much longer but to know god is not just kind of arbitrarily up there you know, absent-mindedly, he's forgotten about us, or whatever. No, he he has in his mind already, um, foreordained mm-hmm. and set timelines mm-hmm. and limits, and he intends to act and bring an end to it at some point. And I, so, I think that's God seeing and God knowing. It it, it means God cares, mm-hmm. and it just it reminds me that um, it's easy to get into a frame of mind to think it's God's job to never let anything unpleasant happen to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> It's God's job to protect me from ever feeling any pain, any Mm. discomfort, any suffering. And actually what we see is God is okay with his people going through hard things because Mm. he has something better for us than a pain-free life. And there are experiences of God and his goodness and his power and his deliverance that we would never have otherwise. Like what we're about to see from God and how he acts to deliver his people we would never see if they had not been afflicted mm. and oppressed That's right. by the most powerful nation in the world. We would not see the power of God through these ten plagues that are coming, the parting of the Red Sea, apart from this. And so, it, you know, could God prevent all suffering from happening to us? Yes, mm. but he has something. He loves us too much for that.
1: Mm. And Greg had brought that out, whether it's years of suffering and affliction or it's years under the radar, yeah. like Moses shepherding in a field. Um,
0: no man's land.
1: Greg had brought up the point of like, God can get a lot of good things done in your years under the radar and you need your years of anonymity. Mm -hmm. And so we can trust God in that, that whether it's the suffering or the years of waiting or the anonymity that what is God doing in my heart right now? Yeah. Uh, What is God doing in my soul right now? And Mm -hmm. I was just talking with a brother after the service yesterday and he's just kind of lamenting to me, Hey, had this, um, check at work the other day and um didn't go as a plan so it's gonna be another four to six months of waiting and supervision and mm. um so it was great just to be able to say what we just heard mm. think about that now what what's going on in your heart yeah. during this time what's the good that god can get done in you right now during these years of waiting or these months for his yeah. example
2: yeah yeah it has a <clears throat> just reminding ourselves that God is the author of our our salvation mm-hmm. he, he's writing a story and what a terrible boring story it would be <laughs> if nothing ever if, if there was no conflict yeah. there's no plot that'd be a terrible plot And it, we see this so, so, so what you know why we see that in Ephesians 2 where Paul is saying you were once dead in your trespasses the ways you once walked all this so this the problem right you were all dead in your sin Beautiful verse, but God, chapter 2, verse 4, being rich in mercy, great in love, or because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated with, um, with Christ in the heavenly places, so that, here's the point... In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness Mm -hmm. toward us in Christ Jesus. How much sweeter is our salvation Mm -hmm. knowing what God has saved us from? That is—and having tasted that before, having tasted what that Mm sin— and we continually have a lingering taste of it. Mm -hmm. But because of God, we we will say to Christ, say— And see this immeasurable richness of his grace for all eternity and how much deeper and sweeter it is because of the sin and the pain and the suffering we have walked through and are walking through. Yeah. And we live with it. People sin against us. And, right. and yet, God in his salvation, that's how he gets the glory. That's yeah. how he gets the praise. As, as others have said, could it be
0: that God in his infinite wisdom knows um, our joy forever Will be greater, mm-hmm. having gone through mm. affliction and experiencing God's deliverance, than it would be if we had mm-hmm. never known that,
1: mm-hmm. never experienced, never it.
0: experienced that, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and and we know that by faith. We trust that God yeah. knows what He's doing. To be a an oppressed and redeemed people is a greater joy than to yeah. never have been through that. So mm-hmm. there's so much more here. We didn't even get into... I know, Mark, you asked about the burning bush. You know, there's a whole point there about don't come any closer. You're on holy ground. Uh, Moses' fear. You know, Greg, I think that was helpful when he discussed the holiness of God. Do, do mm-hmm. we think of God with that kind of reverence and yeah. awe That or, or in over-familiarity where it's just kind yeah. of, well, oh, God is just kind of my, my buddy or this talisman. You know, we just yeah. helpful pull out. You know, And so, which
2: is a, a, is a unique and... A unique temptation to us yes. as gospel people, as right. gospel-centered, as we do come with
0: boldness now. That's right. The New Testament talks about in Hebrews. We we draw near with confidence because we right. have Christ as our great High Priest. So we don't come in, in a trembling, like maybe I'm going to be struck by lightning and judged. And we you know we we come trusting in Christ, confident and yet before a holy God yeah. nonetheless. He he mm-hmm. is still just the same holy God he was <laughs> here. So that's right. So much more we, we, we could say, but um, we're at the end of our time. Any Just in a sentence or two, take away. How's God speaking to you? How does this affect you?
1: I would say I'm encouraged that God comes down to us. Uh, he hears our groaning, mm-hmm. even when we're not necessarily asking for deliverance. God knows what we need. Um, he'll come to deliver. Mm-hmm. But then also, that doesn't mean that there's never going to be suffering again. Once you are delivered or if you are delivered, mm-hmm. God's bringing his people into a land that was going to require faith. Mm-hmm. There are going to be peoples there, um, wars and battles um, and evil. And so um, they're not going into, like Greg described, a candy land, mm-hmm. but it was going to be hard. So mm-hmm. trusting God and having that faith.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's it's encouraging to a reminder of the ongoing faith needed, um, but also encouraging, again, just to be reminded of God is a revealing god who who is eager to reveal himself and all of himself in his fullness to us um and he is the initiator of that Mm. and and we how humbling it is that god has spoken to us Mm. in such a word i think it along with the encouragement
0: it it produces me in endurance Mm. in those times of suffering that feel indefinite i can't see the end of it to know um that God cares, and He cares in a personal way. I think that stands mm-hmm. out to me in this text. God is a personal God. I am the God of your fathers. Mm-hmm. He names them by name. Um, he comes down. He draws near to Moses and to his people. Um, he expresses His intention to act and and deliver. It's it's all personal. So He's not just up there in the heavens, far removed from it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he initiates to come near, to speak, to reveal, to act, to deliver, and. In Christ, we know He is that same God for us. And so Psalm 5015, we cry out to God in our time of trouble. He will deliver us, Mm -hmm. and the result will be we glorify Him forever. Yes. What a good word. That's right. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm.